But as you come to Deuteronomy chapter 29, we come to this part of the book where Moses has already reiterated the law of God. And so now he's telling the Israelites who are about to go into the promised land what the future holds for all future generations based upon obedience to the Lord or the consequences of disobedience to the Lord. And this is the context. And as he comes to chapter 29, he's been going through blessings and curses. And we've seen that. And we saw that Tuesday night where you get all the blessings or you don't, and you get all the curses, and that's just the way the universe is. There's light and darkness, but there's not a fuzzy middle ground. And as he's plowing through this and reaffirming the covenant of God to the people of God in that context, the nation of Israel, he makes this statement in verse 29. It's always easy to remember this one, 29, 29. Whereas he's at this crescendo on this part of what he's saying, it's not, again, it's not so much the message of the law, It's more like what you can expect in the future. And he builds this crescendo on blessings and curses. And then he says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. Pastor Chuck Smith he used to have a saying that he said fairly often, when I come to what I don't know, I fall back on what I do know. And I always liked that saying because it reminded, reminded me that even for someone as great as Pastor Chuck was in his walk with the Lord, in his heart for the Lord, he had what he called a file with the Lord. And it's the I don't get it file. It's the I don't understand it. Or I don't get it. And he spoke of this file as for certain passages of scripture that were just kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but it's all the word of God. And he said, I don't get it yet, but I'm putting in the file. Or certain human, certain events in his life where he said, I just don't understand it. And I just don't get it. Like when his father died in the plane crash and he had to identify the body at Camp Pendleton so many years ago. And then he also had in that file the social geopolitical events of his generation where he would talk about the I don't get it. Why is this going this way? How come these things are evil nations are rising up and good people are being deceased or decreased? So the I don't get it file really can be things with the word of God, things with your personal life, and things with geopolitical social events around us, which seems so appropriate. Because at any given time, in every generation, there's the body of Christ, human beings that are born again in the Spirit of God, and we can wake up and say, you know, Lord, I don't get this in the Word of God. I'm reading this, and I just, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I didn't understand it two and a half years ago when I read the Bible through, and I don't understand it anymore this time. And then we might have personal events going on in our life that are very hard and difficult, where there's been a loss or a change or a, a, a as we say in surfing, an upwelling where the wind up, the wind's blowing hard in the Catalina Channel, the water gets cold, it's called an upwelling. And there's an upwelling in your life that you have no control. You're like, I don't understand why these things are going this way. And then in your social events you, that have no control over, things that happen in countries where there's overthrows of governments or war, and you say, I just, I don't get it. We think what we've been through with COVID the last year and a half or so, and all the strife and contention and division it's caused in the body of Christ over frivolous things and profound things. So whether you're saying like, I don't get 
chapter 5 of Song of Solomon. I don't get why everyone I love is leaving the state. And I don't get the massing at all. It's still life. It's still life. And we don't have to come off the rails. We don't have to come off the track. Because the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. But the secret things belong to the Lord. We need to truly stay in our lane. And our lane is God's word obeyed from the heart as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our lane. Let God be God and let men be men and women be women. Let Christ be the head of the church and let the church be the body of Christ. That's really what we're talking about in this passage. As we think of 16 years as a church and we think, okay, as we think about our personal lives, where we're at in our journey, okay, as we think about our nation and this planet, I got a direct... uh, Direct message on Instagram this week. Someone asked me, are you moving to Russia? Not that I know of. Niet. Um, and when I got that thing, that text, I thought, well, it was through Instagram direct message, I thought, as someone who really loves the Lord too. I said, uh, no, I was going to go last year four times, but the Lord closed that door. And no Americans can go to Russia right now. But I suppose if that door opens, I'd be open to go back to Russia. And honestly, my response was one that reflected like a broken dream. I worked so hard to learn Russian. I was going to go to Russia four times last year to build up the body of Christ. I was going to go to Sochi, St. Petersburg, Ladimir, Moscow. I was going to go back to Siberia. And all during last year, I had let each of those dreams go but I never gave up on the Russian language and getting better at it. And then finally, I just had to let the whole dream go. Because right now, you just can't go. And that's kind of how life is, isn't it? Did you have a Russia last year? Do you have a disease you can't cure? Do you have physical pain that you don't have any control over, no matter what you do, like the woman with the flow of blood? Do you have verses you read where you scratch your head? Do you look at the news and but for a moment and think, how can all this be happening right now? Well, this gives us clarity and simplicity. Because when we come with what we don't know, we fall back on what we do know. The secret things belong to the Lord, and the things revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may obey all the words of this law. So as we think about this, that God be God and men be men, which is really our topic, because that's what the text says. The secret things. Let's talk about the secret things. In Isaiah chapter 55, the Lord said, The things that, that as, my, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts above you. It is impossible for finite humanity to understand infinite God beyond what he's chosen to reveal about himself in his word. And there are things that we can think about and meditate upon concerning the Lord, concerning the human experience, the philosophical questions of life, purpose and meaning, these sorts of things. And there will always be secret things. For me, I've shared this sometimes, but it was so clear in my life, my seventh birthday in Quantico, Virginia. My dad had come back from serving the Vietnam War, and we lived there in the officer's quarters on base. 1969, 70, 71, first, second, and third grade. 
or Quantico. And being raised Catholic, as I understood it, when I became seven, that was the age of accountability. So turning seven years of age lost a little bit of its uh, strength to me because in my mind, I figured I can for sure go to hell now. Because I, I was a scoundrel at seven. I was, a, I was out of control. My mom made me do the swim team for two hours a day just to get the energy out of me. And then I would, you know, I would provoke my older brother to wrath. I would steal candy from 7-Eleven. I'd be disruptive in the class. I was a naughty boy. And even at the age of seven, I, well, I always believed in God. And I always believed that Jesus was the son of God. But I, I turned seven on my seventh birthday. I thought, man, now I'm accountable. I can't say I'm only six, six years old. You know, like, God, you can't send me to hell. I didn't know any better. And then I would lay in my bed, because we'd go to the base chapel for Mass, and I'd go to catechism during the week, and I'd lay in bed, and this is the thought that I used to have in first, second, and third grade. I know where I come from, but where does God come from? I used to ask myself that as a young boy. Where does God come from? How is God God? Like, where is his beginning? And here is the problem, which is addressed by Isaiah 55. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and thoughts above you. So if you've ever thought that way or something close to that, here's what God's answer is. It's the burning bush when Moses says, who do I say sent me? And God speaks from the bush and says, say I am that I am sent you. I am is the all-sufficient one. And God is infinite outside of our dimension we're linear, he's multidimensional. We're time, space, and matter, like at the Huntington Parade or the Rose Bowl Parade going by. But he's outside our dimension. So the problem is we're limited to our fallen humanity and our sinful nature, even regenerated, in understanding certain things that are the secret things of the Lord, about God, the mysteries of God, about why do you... Good people suffer and evil people prosper. Why do eight planets go around the sun this way and one planet goes the opposite direction? Like, why would God do that? Why does a platypus not fall into any category of created creatures? There's no shortage of the thing to say, like, why? Well, go figure the platypus. Hmm, very unusual. See, those are the secret things that belong to the Lord. Why does one 20-year-old get cancer, be completely healed of that cancer, and then die from cancer again six months later with a second ovary? Melissa Henning. Why? Jeremy Kent's first wife. Like, why? Like, why would God let a beautiful young girl in love with a handsome young man, Jeremy Camp, engage in love? It, it's, it's, the movie was great. The real version's greater. I saw it with my own eyes. I lived it. Why? Why this beautiful story of two kids from pastors meeting at Bible college, why would God allow Melissa Henning Camp to have cancer in an ovary, lose an ovary because of the cancer, lose her hair, and then have her hair grow back, have the cancer come back to the second ovary only to pray for its healing and have it completely gone. She had cancer on the second ovary 
before her wedding day, and then it was completely, totally cured. All of it. Why? I was at their wedding day, Horizon North County, with my wife. It was a beautiful wedding. She was beautiful, and of course, Jeremy Camp was as handsome as all get all. And that's when he was like 21, 22. And then they went on their honeymoon. And we're all so happy, and there's this incredible testimony. It was, on, it was on the fish and on K-Wave, and everybody knew this incredible story. And then they come back, and then Jeremy calls me and says, like, the cancer came back. And I was by his side when she passed. I was in the room. I watched her tell her husband she was healed and step into eternity. So I, of all people, have wise, even 20 years later, concerning Melissa Haney Camp. And I can say maybe so she could get married thinking she could have children as opposed to having no ovaries on her wedding day. That would be valid. But who am I to say? Who am I to say, well, that's fair? Or if she never got healed and she still got married with cancer, that's unfair. You see, the secret things belong to the Lord. Why in that testimony did she say, I'm healed, and all those Bible college students out in the hallway praying for her go back to the Bible college and tell everyone she's healed? And why was I the one that in the middle of the night got the call from Jeremy that she had passed away and had to go to the Bible college? I never slept that whole night and go to the Bible college at 5 a.m. and then be there at 7 a.m. when they came in for chapel and they're all thinking she's healed and I got to tell them she's with the Lord. Why? The secret things belong to the Lord. I still can't answer those questions to this day. I can only tell you, I saw Jesus come from Melissa and camp in that room. She saw him, I didn't. She got off her deathbed and went straight to him and told her husband she's healed out of a coma. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't understand. And that's one of those files I have in the I don't get it file. As beautiful as the story is, I still believe the movie's incredible. It's, it's all beautiful. But I know the beauty that was there before that, too. And that was beautiful, too. We just don't know. Why did my mom's brother and sister both have to die before they were 30 of cancer? Why did my mom, who smoked and drank for 40 years, live to be 85? When everyone else around her died of cancer very young, including her parents. Like, how do you figure that one out? You see, sometimes I say, why is Song of Solomon in the Bible? And then David Hawking can tell me why Solomon's, Song of Solomon is in the Bible. Pastor Chuck can tell me why Song of Solomon is in the Bible. But when I read Song of Solomon, I seem like, huh, his banner over me is love. It's beautiful. He's hot, she's hot, and they just want to be together like hot, hot. And it's in the Bible. So maybe Song of Solomon's there for that. I used to have a hard time with the judgments in Joshua. When they go in and wipe everybody out, we're going to get those in a few weeks, actually. Preview of coming attractions. I used to have a problem with that. That really kind of set me in like, I don't know, it's like I get up and talk about the Jews going and wiping out little kids. It doesn't bother me anymore. I've been through the Bible so many times, it just doesn't bother me. Let God be God. Why? That's God's judgment. If he says the iniquity of the unrighteous isn't yet full, and it isn't, 
And 400 years later, he says it is. And he tells the Jews going in, wipe out every last one of them, because if you don't, they'll destroy you. Then that's what you got to do. But still, it's hard to read. It's hard to read. Last couple chapters of Judges, man, that's coming too. That's really hard to read. I love Ruth. It's a love story. Oh, Ruth is beautiful. Last couple chapters of Judges, oh my goodness, it's horrible. I'm still going to teach it. The secret things belong to the Lord. So on this 16th anniversary, let me just say this about personal life experience, what you might be going through, what you might not be going through, what the world's going through, what's coming down the pipeline for all of us with more conditioning for total submission to tyranny. The secret things belong to the Lord. And let us not go crazy trying to understand how and why with things that are in his wheelhouse and not ours. That's the application of the secret things. There are things that are in his wheelhouse. God is God. And whether it lets Billy Graham live to be 99 or Trinity Jameson to be nine, it is his universe, it is his will, it is his purpose, and he is over everything. So when we come to the secret things belong to the Lord, we need to put Romans 8, 28 on that and say, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose and being conformed to the express image of his son. That's how we have to look at that. That's how we have to look at it. Because no matter what questions you can answer about God, the book of Job is epic, isn't it? Job and his friends babbling and talking for like 38 chapters about this and that and everything else. And they're all just... They're trying, to, they're trying to understand the secret things. And then God just says, where were you when I made the constellations? Were you there when I laid the foundation of the world and I created Leviathan and all that? And everyone just goes, nope. And that's the end of the conversation. The secret things belong to the Lord. So when you come to what you don't know, you have to let it go and give it to the Lord. You have to make it an offering to the Lord. Suffering of good people, prosperity of evil people, you need to give that to the Lord. Why do people who sell baby body parts prosper and are esteemed and raised up when people who expose people who sell baby body parts are vilified and attacked and smeared and canceled by the woke mob? Because it's 2020 or 2021? Why would God allow that? People who can expose such evil, as heinous as the Auschwitz and the Jewish death camps in our country, why are the exposers the ones that are bad, not the ones who are actually doing this? The secret things belong to the Lord. I don't know. But I do know this on that matter. When you come to the sanctuary, it's our chance to set it straight with the Lord. Because the psalmist said, I would have been overcome and thought that it all was wrong until I came to the house of the Lord and I was reminded the end of the wicked. Wicked never prevails. And like I said about the rainbow, the world can do what they want with the rainbow on this side. They can steal God's rainbow. They can redefine it. They can do all the things they want to do. But let me tell you something when you step into eternity. The rainbow on this side of this dimension is not the rainbow on that side. Because on that side, the rainbow is a throne room of God. I believe the devil has purposely done the most blasphemous, offensive thing he possibly can do to our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, by stealing the rainbow, which is his glory. And his promise to never judge the world with the flood again and identifying it with rebellious sin before his throne and make it something forced on all humanity from here probably till the return of the king. Yes, it makes me sick 
to see the rainbow of Genesis 9 and Revelation 4 hijacked by evil people in their pride, shaking their fist at God, saying, you will not tell me what's right and wrong. But know this. In the next dimension, there's only one rainbow. And it's not glorifying sin against God. It is glorifying God himself. So as we look at things in our personal life that are out of our control, and you say, why? As we look at the word of God with certain passages, you say, like, why? As we look at events in our timeline, and you say, why? Just keep the perspective that the secret things belong to the Lord. That's his business, his universe, and know this in eternity, there's perfect love and perfect justice. There's no evil getting away with it. And Jesus said it best, every thought and intent of the heart and every idle word will give an account for before his throne. No one gets away with anything. When I was a kid, we'd watch Dragnet and one Adam 12, Adam 12 and all those cop shows. I thought the bad guys always got caught. And that profound moment, my brother told me, Joe, you, he literally said something like, Joe, you idiot. Criminals get away with stuff. I'm like, no, they don't. Joe Friday catches everybody. Everyone gets caught. I always get caught. I steal baseball cards. I get caught. No, in time, space, and matter, not everybody does get caught. Some people do get away with the perfect crime. Some people never go to jail for murder or lying or deceit or rape and violent crimes. But in eternity, there's perfect justice. On the cross, there's perfect justice. And at the throne of God, there's perfect justice. So let God deal with the secret things. And let us stay in our lane and deal with the things that are revealed to us and to our children. Because the things that are revealed to us and to our children is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, which thoroughly equips us for every good work, and the confirming power of the Holy Spirit to confirm his word, confirm his children, that all the promises in him are yes and amen, and that we have a home in heaven. And it, Jesus said, if it were not so, I would tell you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming back for you. Jesus is preparing a way for us, a place for us. That is our lane. That is what's revealed to us and to our children. When we wake up in the morning, in Jesus' name, we have every promise, because all the promises of God are yes and amen. For us, the mysterious things have been revealed. And God has chosen like a child with humanity through different centuries and millenniums to reveal greater depth of who he is. Much like your child at three understands things a certain way, a different way at seven, a different way at 12, and a different way at 18, let alone 30, 50, and 80. So too, God has humanity as God's child and revealed himself there in the garden with choice, basic choice. Tree of life, knowledge of good and evil for Adam and Eve. And he gave Eve to Adam from his side to be his helper. And they were naked and unashamed. That's how it began. And from that first promise after the fall in Genesis 3.15, that a Messiah, that a Savior would come and save the world, and there had to be blood, and an animal's blood was shed, and they were covered. There in the garden, that very beginning, for our, the forefathers of our race, Adam and Eve, God established something they needed to understand. You can't cover your sin. I have to cover it, and somebody has to die for the, the guilty. Someone innocent has to die for the guilty. And one of those animals in the garden that Adam named was sacrificed And they saw death, and it was gruesome to see the death. Maybe it was their pet dog, your favorite dog that you have. Scott had the Great Dane. 
I've got the two Cavaliers. We had boxers. We love dogs more than we love people. Many people do love their dogs more than people. And what if God said, you're a sinner, took your dog and struck it down. You'd be mortified had you never known death. That first animal whose blood was shed in the garden was a beloved animal. And it was shocking for Adam and Eve. And it was a prelude to when their own son would kill their other son with death. For in Adam, all sin and die and death entered through Adam but it began with that animal. And in the progressive revelations of sacrifice, blood, atonement, it went right through Abraham, the father of faith, but you gotta come by faith. Actually going back to Abel, by faith. By faith, Abel offered off a more acceptable sacrifice. He brought the lamb and he brought the blood. He had it. He didn't know it was Jesus, but he had it. There's a shadow of things to come. And then Abraham is saved by faith. He believes the promises by faith. And then he's going to offer up his son, but the Lord gives the, the ram in its place. But there on Mount Moriah, where Christ would be crucified, is the son with the father, but Isaac gets off the hook, the son of promise, but the goat doesn't, excuse me, the, the ram, and that's executed. So now we're getting closer. It's progressive revelation. Then 500 years later, we get the Passover feast, the blood over the doorpost, the blood on the sides, and the deliverance, and it's progressive revelation. In the revival of Josiah, when the tribes came to partake of Passover, the renewed Passover, and the messengers went out under that revival, and those from Zebulun came, There's, there were many that mocked the Passover, and in mocking the Passover, they mocked Jesus. They rejected the cross. They rejected the blood. They rejected the resurrection and the hope and the justification. But those from some of the tribes, they came to Jerusalem to keep the Passover. And as the blood was shed and the animals were executed, they saw Jesus. Not like we see Jesus, but they saw Jesus. The things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. And that was they were there. And the Zebunites came. And they brought their people from their tribe. And they brought their children. And animals were sacrificed. Their children were seen. Blood, sin, atonement, forgiveness, Christ in the foreshadow. The things that are revealed to us and to our children are for us. And they believed and they kept the Passover. And though all those people went into captivity in the next 40 years, those kids grew up being able to praise God and thank God that their parents brought them to that Passover feast under Josiah and the blood was executed and shed for them and they could understand it with Passover. It was progressive. So progressive that by the time Christ went to the cross, the devil thought he had victory, which just shows he doesn't know everything at all that we fell from the other dimension. Christ on the cross says it's finished. Then he said he'd rise from the grave in three days. He rises from the grave. The gospel's fulfilled. And as the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit's poured out on Peter and suddenly the terrified fisherman is preaching Christ boldly. We are his witnesses. And he shares Psalm 16 about his Holy One will not undergo corruption. He shares the whole gospel and thousands of people get saved. The church is birthed and they have this gospel message and they're going out with this message. Later on, Peter would say, who experienced that on the day of Pentecost, he would say in 1 Peter by the Holy Spirit, this glorious gospel so glorious that things that angels desire to see and look into, but did not yet understand. It was progressive revelation. And now here we are tonight, the Church of Jesus Christ. June 26, 2021. And we do understand. Because the Holy Spirit has made these things known to us. There is no more progressive revelation. It ends with the book Revelation. We have everything we need to be thoroughly equipped for salvation through faith by grace in Jesus Christ. 
for forgiveness in Jesus' name, for what to do right, how to obey God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit, how to do the right things, how to keep the old commandments by the Spirit and the new commandments by the Spirit as the Spirit would guide us in handling the word of God and rightfully dividing it. We have it. The things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. And when we wake up this morning and we pray for our children and our children's children, our grandchildren, and we pray for our marriages if we're married, our singleness or whatever, we pray for our church, if this is your church or whatever church, and we pray for other churches we love and care about in the area and, and beyond all that. We pray for Dallas Hayes in his movie, right? Can you imagine the spiritual taxis going through with the chosen? And we pray... We know what we're called to do because God's revealed it to us in his word. We're not groping in the dark. The secret things belong to the Lord, but things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. I've said this for years because there's always people that want to talk about like some obscure thing like, oh, the latter rain, what does it mean or whatever, or, you know, this, that, and everything else. And people get tripped up and they want to, you know, split words and split hairs and, and, you know, debate Calvinism and Arminianism and all these different little isms and things like that. And they just get so tripped and caught. I'm like, dude, enough is enough, man. I got my hands full just obeying the Ten Commandments in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not to be a lustful, liar, murdering person. That'll keep me busy from here to eternity just on a daily devotion with the Holy Spirit. The secret things belong to the Lord, his sovereignty and man's free will, because they're both there. Heaven and hell, right and wrong. The land's book of life, the lake of fire. It's all there. The things are revealed belong to us and to our children. Is not the word close to you, even in your heart, that whoever confesses the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, for the confession is made unto salvation? What must we do to be saved? Believe in Lord Jesus, you and your household. It's all there. We understand that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And we understand that we're saved for a purpose and equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. We understand that. And we understand it is a battle. We wrestle against principalities and powers, heavenly hosts in heavenly places. But we know there's greater him that is in us than he that's in the world. And God will never give us more than we can handle will always provide the way of escape. The things revealed belong to us and to our children as we go forward in our 17th year at Worship Generation. It has been his word. It's going to always be his word. I'm glad we didn't build this church on emotion, although we have a lot of emotion, like tonight. It's an emotional night. Or whatever we might build a church on, this church is built on God's word. Because as we read his word, it shapes our our thinking for what's right and wrong, and it dictates what we choose to do when we gather together. It's a legacy we received from Pastor Chuck Smith in the Calvary Chapel movement, but really it's a legacy received from the early church, because what do they say in Acts 2.42? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It's the first thing they did as they gathered as the church. And the moment you let something come in and chip away at even one portion of God's word, you're going down a slippery slope. Because now you're judging God's word. And it's much better to let God's word judge us. So as much something like, okay, I'm excited to teach Joshua. I'm not really excited about like wiping out Canaanites from top to bottom. But I'll teach it. Without reservation. And that back part of Judges, I'll teach it too. Without reservation, as ugly as it is. 
I'll tell you, leave 11 year olds at home, but I'll teach it. And like I said about Brian Broderson recently, Brian Broderson has said throughout his ministry lifetime, the Bible is brutally honest on the human experience and it proves that God wrote it because it doesn't candy coat humanity the way it really is. And I have to say yes and amen. And I'll teach it. <laughs> but then we'll get to Ruth, so that'll be a nice off-ramp. The things are revealed belong to us and to our children. And when you think about our children, we think, okay, now we receive these things personally. So each generation, and tonight we have the generations here. We have, we have baby boomers like myself, over 60. And we have the greatest generation, or excuse me, the generation X with us. We maybe even have the greatest generation. I see Ethelin over here. My, you know, like people 80 plus be like maybe the greatest generation. They're still here like my dad. And then we have the Gen Xers. And then we have the millennials. And then we have what's coming after the millennials in our children's ministry. So as there's always generations in motion, we're reminded in this text, the secret things belong to the Lord. But things that are real belong to us and to our children. It's the bonus thought. So as we think about going forward in our lives personally, in the second half of the year, because we're about to hit July, so that's part two, the fiscal year, into our 17th year as a church, we really we realize it's not just about us and our, who we are, but if we have children, it's also about our children. It's about our children in this children's ministry, about our youth upstairs with Broderick. Broderick will be leaving soon, and we're praying about what we're going to do with our youth when Broderick leaves. He'll be moving to Texas, too. And I'm excited for him. I'm very excited for him and Jade. California won't be the same without Broderick and Jade, but that's tears for another night in the end of summer. And the Lord will guide us what to do with our youth. He's here for the summer. We'll figure out what God has for us in the autumn. And our children, Lucas and Susan, are leaving for Indiana in July. They're going back home. Lucas is like a son. I remember him coming up to me over 20 years ago at Calvary Coast Mesa, having given his life to the Lord through Pastor Chuck. We maintained communication the whole time he was gone, and Missouri, his heartache, all that he went through. Meeting Susan, them coming here. They've been back here for almost a decade. We're dedicating their son next week. I'm excited about that. They've been so faithful in our children's ministry. I don't know how we replace Lucas and Susan. But as long as we're here, as long as I'm alive, in my personal life, with my wife and my children and my children's children, in this church as the pastor, with our youth group, with every generation in the sanctuary, with our youth group and our children's ministry, we're going to teach these things that are revealed to our hearts, to our children. That's what we're going to do. Because we will be gone. And Buck and the rest of them have to live out their life of faith with Jesus in their timeline. And we're going to equip them to do it as long as we're here. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are. So we're going to keep giving the secret things to the Lord. It's been hard to watch all these difficult things in 16 years that have come at us in the world experience. In our personal lives, the memorials, the funerals, there's been joy, of course, weddings, dedications, all this stuff going through the Bible one, one and a half times already in that sense. Entire Bible once, New Testament another time, and now what we're doing. 
We're going to let God be God and handle the secret things. And we're going to let us be his people, disciples of Jesus Christ, and obey the revealed things, to read them, study them, and obey them, and teach them to our children and our children's children. That's what we're going to do. We're the church of Jesus Christ, and we're called Worship Generation.